Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together if you with me now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, um, it's a hodgepodge. It, it's definitely a hodgepodge today. Um, there's no real news um, except for uh, uh, Richard Lewis what? passed away. Yeah, Richard Lewis. There's a couple of tidbits that we can get into, um, but... Man, talk about being sad. Like, yeah. I mean, and Richard Lewis. Curb man. just ended, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, and there's a part of me, like, it's almost like, I know this sounds terrible, and I'm not trying to be mean or coy, but it's almost like Richard's way of just saying, enough. Like, do you know how, yeah. like, I don't know, if, I don't know if you've, like, were you a fan of Curb? Like, we've never actually talked about Curb. Like, I, I know that you're a Seinfeld fan, but. And people automatically associate Curb with it, but I know that Curb is a very different ordeal. It it is. I, I've watched enough of it to mm-hmm. appreciate it, but also enough of it that I'm like, it, you know, I I do like Larry David as a yeah. writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on Curb. He became a bit like Jimmy Fallon to me, like he cannot <laughs> keep the scene, you know, no, like Jer- yeah. Jerry has a bad habit of doing that on Seinfeld. Um, but I don't, for some reason it works when he's just like trying to be serious, but he's smiling and you can tell he's just trying not to laugh. But yeah. I, for, I guess because he's so antagonistic on Curb Your Enthusiasm, like mm-hmm. it just, it, it didn't work for me. I think everybody else is fantastic. I watched the entire Seinfeld reunion season, uh, and okay, parts so, of it were really great. Yeah, um, that I think that was season seven, which was like like close to fifteen years ago. I think. Oh yeah, it's um, been a while. It's been a while, but I know which one you're talking about. I think I finished after. I think I was done after maybe eight or nine. Whenever he goes to heaven. Whenever Rich, uh, whenever Larry goes to heaven, like I felt like that was the perfect episode or the perfect way to end it because I don't know if you if you've seen it where he goes to heaven and he's in heaven for like literally two minutes and then God throws him out like literally <laughs> they throw his ass out like they're enough of his bullshit and I feel like it's the perfect way to end it right like because he just like literally start he just walks away and cue the frolic uh, theme comes up um, but I feel like he can't. Like Larry's gonna have to find something new because I feel like like it was it's almost like Richard's way of like I said like Richard the character in Curb it, it like he's he's like he's like his like George like in a weird way Richard is like is like his own George because he's like he's just sick of his bullshit always sick of his bullshit and it's almost like in a weird way there's just like. This is the last season. No more. No more. And just enough. 
and just like, you know, because you can't do it without Richard. I mean, if you really think about it, like part of like, like at least for me, part of Curb was always having like Cheryl, Cheryl, the two Richards, Garland and, and um, uh, Garland and Lewis, and then of course, Larry David. Um, but you know, they've all slowly started to go away, and it's just like, and now Richard's just not going to be there. Yeah. And like it, it brought me. It was weird because it was like when I heard it, it hit me, and like it hit me harder than I had thought it was. But I think it was also because Richard Lewis was a huge, huge, huge part of my childhood. Like, yeah, like from like early teens like his, his stand-up like my mom was a big fan and yes then, you know he had that show with show with jamie uh, jamie lee yeah, curtis anything but and love that love. that that we watched and mm-hmm. I, I mean i was probably way too young to be watching it but mm-hmm. yeah he he was such a big part of like just uh, my mom was like really into watching like stand-up comedy when we were kids like evening Mm -hmm. at at the improv was like a uh, a weekly like appointment thing for us no absolutely absolutely um you know i mean he's like he's great in (laughs) he's fucking great in in robin hood men in tights oh uh, yeah prince john like um i mean a show that like he only appeared i think he only appeared once or twice but uh this is show a show that you love which is um Bo, uh uh boho strachman uh or Bo oh, Jack Horseman. Horseman. yeah he's ziggy eibler yeah yeah and, uh, he's, uh, he's, <laughs> it's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> um and it's just like he continually just popped up in in things and it was just like it was always like um like i don't know it was always just something like he was always a guy that you just kind of like if you knew him and you grew up with him it was always a welcome surprise to see him in anything um because he was a pure comedian right like he was one of those guys that like i really wish he would have he would have gone back to comedy and just kind of stayed there because he was kind of like in a weird way he was kind of like um uh shit um george carlin where yeah. carlin dabbled in acting but that dude was like resoundly like like he was like he would always tell you he's a comedian first right like before anything and I always felt like Richard Lewis was always a comedian first, right? And they tried to put him in, like, in acting, and then it just kind of became a thing where it was probably just kind of easier for him to get a paycheck to just come and do all of these, like, you know, these, uh, like, the stuff. And then, like, you know, Larry just knew, knew comedic gold when he had it and was on curb for 24 years do you do you can you believe that that curb has been around for 24 years yeah it's crazy um yeah did you did you ever see a movie called the wrong guys oh god damn from from the late 80s it's about this cub scout cub scout pack yes okay now that you said that yes (laughs) yes 
where he played, he played, a, I think he played a guy named Richard, right? It's like Louis Anderson. It was like grown up Cub Scout yeah, guys, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're trying to yeah. like relive their Cub Scout day. Yeah, it's Louis Anderson, Richard Lewis, Richard Belzer, like Tim Thomerson's in it, Brian James, John Goodman, uh, Ernie right. Hudson's in it. Um, it, like it, it's such a like weird ass movie. I have not seen it since I was a kid. Um, like yes. young Jonathan Brandis was in it. That's probably why we watched it because, like, uh, yeah. probably at some point in time, a few years after that, like I'm sure I saw it on home video, you know, in the nineties. Um, yeah. but uh, but yeah, it's uh. It's like one of his earliest film roles, but like it's so weird. And like I've been thinking about that movie, and I'm like, I kind of want to find it and rewatch it and see like how stupid it might be. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like you know, it's it's funny because like in that time frame, like that is like that is the era for that type of movie. Those reunion movies, like it started with the big chill and like all of these movies like where like these guys, these guys like meet up like um, my favorite of them is the Bill Paxton one with Sam Raimi in it. Um, uh, Indian Summer. I don't know. if you Oh, ever saw that yeah. One. Indian yeah. Summer's great, man. Oh, yeah. That one's like super, super great. And it has like this really great Sam Raimi performance, a wordless Sam Raimi performance where he plays like. Doesn't he play like the the maintenance man at the at, at the camp? And like he just gets into like like he just always gets into these like weird comedic bits. Um, but I really like that one. That one has a bunch of like in like the always the the big key for those movies is that they have a bunch of like really great actors in or like comedians in that um, in the roles of the older uh, older version. I mean, how they even had like the female version of it then and now, which is great, which had like. Both the young cast, yeah, and that the has old a cast was was fucking like yeah, legitimately the man. Yeah, I mean, you, you see that cast, and you go, Jesus! Like all those kids grew up to be, um, like, like grew up to be like truly like great actresses, right? Like you know, Christina Ricci. Let's see, the 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 breakdown of it is what is it, Christina Ricci, um. Oh God! What's a uh, Thora Birch, Gabby Hoffman, um, and then like Devin Sawa's in it. Like, there's all like these really great. But then you've got like you know Rosie O'Donnell, M- Melanie Griffith, Demi Moore, Rita Wilson, uh, uh, Cloris Mel- Leachman. Yeah, you know, yeah. I love man. Talk, Fucking... talk about people that are gone, and, and I know she was <sighs> like Richard Lewis. There, she was pretty old too, but like, yeah. And of course, it, just like Richard Lewis, like she's still at the end. She was still so good. Like uh, the uh, the show that the uh, uh, what what was it called? Oh, Raising Hope. That Raising she Hope. Was, that yeah, yeah. Like she was so damn funny on that show. Um, yep. Like yeah. she, like that whole entire cast of Raising Hope was was great. Yeah. Uh, like. Uh, but I will, I will make, I will make one stipulation on Raising Hope. The last season I did not like. It, it was, it was so much, much like um, 
my name is Earl. Like, it was so up and down in the last season. Like, it has its yeah. moments, but mostly it's just not that great. Um, it, it's like they knew it was maybe... Well, actually, my name is Earl. They didn't think it was going to end. Um, yeah. But uh, they, they didn't really know what to, to do with it there at the end. Like, they kind of done all the stories that they wanted to do. Because by then, like... Uh, the, the kids are married and like they're living like in in her parents old house because she came from money like mm-hmm. yeah it get, it gets really really strange it's way more interesting when it's like hey we're grilling burgers on this turned over uh shopping cart <laughs> because yeah. we're not gonna go buy a grill you know <laughs> exactly exactly like like when it was like like I think we've talked about we've talked about actually we I know we've talked about this at length with Greg Garcia is that his his work is best when he's dealing with the lowest of low class like trailer park class like yeah. which like and, and and it's like it's because he's so fucking respectful of them and he like knows their their lives yeah. like inside and out even um, when it's showing the stupidity it's like like and not in a shitty way it's it is like these people are doing the best that they can like they they're they're just they are who they are and they're doing the best that they can Um, absolutely like and i mean again like my name is earl that's that's another greg garcia joint right like you know he just he just knows how to like he knows how to do do this like sprung like the one that you you had told me about like you know yeah. the one that you recommended which has not come back which is i'm, I'm like i really hope it's that... fortunate but like yeah. I, I don't know if it's been officially canceled but like also he did they did get to tell the story that they set out to tell yes. like if there it isn't is. anything else it, it's fine it's better to not run it into the ground um <laughs> like his previous shows but yeah but yeah it, it's uh yeah, I I don't know. I I wish he was a bigger force in television. Um, because I mean he was a hitmaker there for a, a little while, uh, yeah, no, and it absolutely. just kind of fell off. So I mean, anyway, yeah, yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And shout out to Yes Dear, which is a brilliant piece of comedy fiction. Uh, if nobody's ever seen it, uh, yeah. try to find it. Uh, that one is like good luck how you met your mother before it. how you met your mother, huh? Good luck trying to find it, because yeah, uh, uh, what what's his name uh, was was a uh, uh, was in the forefront of that show too. The guy whose show I just started, the new show, uh, Extended Family that I just started watching. Oh, what is yeah. that guy's name? Oh God, um, good lord, I cannot think of it. Uh, let me go to the interwebs. That's yeah, right, because yeah. you were... Yes there, yes, there is weirdly hard to... Like, I don't think it's streaming anywhere for, quote, free. Yeah, no, it's not. And, uh, Mike and O'Malley. It was, yeah. It's Mike O'Malley. Like, because he was the star of Yes, Dear, and now he's the, like, the creator of, of whatchamacallit, of, um, of Stent Family. But, uh... That's right. Anyway. What else? Yeah. Uh, what other news we got? Um. So we got our Perry White 
and we got a name change for Superman. It's now just called Superman. And uh, Wendell Pierce, um, everybody's favorite uh, police officer, well, one of their favorite police officers from The Wire, is now going to be Perry White, which, I mean, like, you can't do better than that. I don't think you can. Like, that's... Like, Lawrence Fishburne Pe- was pretty good, but I do think w- Wendell Pierce is, is a little bit more on the, like, oh, I believe this guy is, like, a newsman, like, yeah. He's come through the, the ranks. Report- exactly. The, the reporter, the reporter that was, like, you can see it in, like, and also, like, I feel like he's going to take, he's going to make a meal out of whatever gun gives him as like dialogue because like I was thinking about it and I'm like recently I've been thinking about it a lot about the Superman a movie and like the thing that I'm most excited about is James Gunn literally being able to write snappy fast dialogue for the newsroom for people like Rachel Bronison um I just recently saw something with a uh, Cornish in it to give me an idea of uh, or corner corner uh, corner or corner sweat whatever the fuck his last name is corn sweat the, corn sweat okay well, corn sweat that's good <laughs> um and it was a it was a comedy thing and i will tell you like i now understand like i like the fact that gun always goes with people that he knows has a funny bone in them and has the ability to do what I like to call Cohen's dialogue, which is twisty turny dialogue. It's like yeah. snappy. It's not real. And I feel like Wendell Pierce has a different version of that and gives it a different flavor, but he still has that ability just like, uh, uh, Cornyn sweat does. Like when I saw him, like when I saw him, I was like, this guy's a comedian. Like he's funny. He's funny in that very British sort of way. I'm like, that will work. And so, and then of course, Braun is in, and- that's definitely a thing that was lacking from more recent incarnations of Superman. Not yes. that he's a jokester, but like he's definitely like charming in a way that not not that Henry Cavill couldn't be charming. No. But he's not he's like you know, you have to have that thing because you do. It, like it, it's what really kind of makes it work. Um, one of the the bigger issues with Man of Steel is like, and, and I mean, we all know this is that Superman <laughs> is so like stoic's not even the right word. No, but he's it, a brick wall. Yeah. Like he's, there's he's a dumb jock. Like I don't know. Like, go ahead. I'm sorry. Th- there's just so much like, uh, like emotion without emotion, and there's no lightness to that character. And and like I get it because that's the story he was telling. Like his uh, Jonathan Kent was not the Jonathan Kent we all kind of grew up reading or watching on Smallville. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, the world is, world might be shit, son, but, like, you know, you've got to be the light in the darkness. This is more of just like, no, don't save him, fuck him. 
<laughs> like, yeah, and it's, it's just like what? <laughs> well, it, it goes it goes against like I like I'm one of the the few people that loved that movie, Man of Steel, and I think it was more it was more like the first we're in the same boat. minutes. I I, huh? I re- we're in the same boat. Yeah. I I don't think Man of Steel is a Superman movie that like people necessarily wanted. Like yeah. they kind of want the Chris Reeves thing and I get it, but like, I I'm with you. I think man of still is a really good movie that sets up a lot of things that they then panicked about and yep. didn't know how to fix. Did not absolutely did not. And I will, I will say if like, I will say this much about that movie. Watch the like the first twenty minutes of that movie fucking rocks. Like, like you get the last bastion of really good old school Russell Crowe, and it's so nothing like what you expect from us. Like, a, a, like the opening, like the opening of that movie juxtaposed against Donner's. It's so different. It's so different in contrasting styles. But I will say this much is that I really did love this whole thing of like the mad scientist of Russell Crowe still in his heyday, like if because it was like 15 years ago, still pu- pushing, still doing some crazy ass thing on a flying dragon. It's great, right? Like it's not Superman, but it's great. Um, and then like, again, it, it's not a bad movie. It's just, again, it comes back to what what we really like what we want what we need and what fandom says that they want and the thing is is that i feel like james gunn is smart enough to like just quiet everybody satisfy people and go hey look yay i'm gonna do this stuff but just kind of shut them the fuck up and mute them and do his own thing which i feel like he is more in the whole thing of like let's bring the boy scout back Let's bring like the Donnerness of it all, the what, the wake, what, but modernize it. Like, I don't yeah. think it's going to be, it's not going to be the way that Donner did it, but it's going to be in that spirit. And that's kind of exciting to me is that we're going to get, we're going to get the big blue Boy Scout. We're going to get like a guy who's super charming and is affable. And we're going to get a Lois Lane that knows a thing or two about a thing or two. And we're not like, I'm sorry, but like each one of these people were casted. Like, I feel like, I feel like every single Lois with the exception of the animated series had been cast because of their looks and their, their like apparent hot trajectory in, in stardom. And I feel like Rachel Brosnan is the first person that wasn't necessarily cast that way. She was cast for her talents because if you've seen, I mean, if you've seen Maisel, you know that she she plays with that Cohen dialogue, like that really fast, rapid paced dialogue that you, and she plays a certain type of like, like go getter. And somebody who has her own road that she's walking, but it doesn't come off. And I know this sounds terrible because I feel like this is just the the maleness of it all, is that a lot of times, oftentimes, people, like, how can I put this? Um, 
they it comes off off putting to a lot of people like Lois Lane as a character, and it takes somebody that has the ability to be not only charming but be able to do that without much fuss to really kind of get the apex of both sides of Lois Lane, right? Like, yeah, and. I feel like Rachel Brosnan has that. Like she, like I, I just watched Maisel and it's just like, like when I, when I saw the casting, it was, that's, a, oh no, it's not. Like, I, like it was like that moment. Like it's always with that James Gunn casting, right? <laughs> like. I, I Yeah, I, I really do. I think the cast of this movie is absolutely astounding. Like it, right? it's so good. Like um, every single piece of casting is like you stop, you go, why? Oh no. In gun we trust because he's this is the man that brought so many people to Guardians to play and always flipped the script on them, right? Like always managed to make I mean, he made Chris Pratt a star. Like everybody thinks that that's a foregone conclusion, but think about it. That was Andy Dwyer when he was cast, fucking chunky Andy Dwyer. But he saw all around that and he saw not just like the like it wasn't just the like I feel like people get lost in the whole weight loss thing. But realistically, what he does best is he finds out to their core who who that person is or what they're best at and then just exploits it. Right. Like John Cena, like John Cena and Dave Batista, they're two wrestlers. Like, let's be honest, like. I mean, we've seen wrestlers before. Hulk Hogan, Jesse the uh, Jesse Ventura. I mean, we've seen yeah. actors, right? Very one note. Exactly. And, I mean, even The Rock. But Batista and Cena, like, within their wheelhouse, he kind of creates these, these characters for them that allows them to, like, slowly grow until that point where, like, in Batista with, like, you know, Volume 3... Literally, he's given some really heavy emotional moments, and he's also given like these, like these purely joyous moments, and he delivers as well as he does with the action in his deadpan version of humor. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, that cast is like I'm very excited, and I'm glad. I I'm kind of glad that they dropped it, and it's just Superman. Like we've never had a movie I, that just called yeah, Superman. I'm I. It feels less weighty. <laughs> to call it Superman, yes. Calling Superman it Legacy. Superman Legacy feels like that's carrying a lot of weight, man. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Like, and this one, it doesn't have that, right? Like, it doesn't have that feeling. Like, Superman is just Superman. Like, I like that. I like that a lot. Like, you know, it's just like it's like Batman, right? Or the Batman, or whatever you want to say. Like, you know, they had like it was like. Like, Man of Steel sounds like they're ashamed to be making a Superman movie, in which it kind of felt like they were. This is just kind of unabashedly this, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, so. I, I'm excited for it. I mean, I know we've been excited for it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I tell you what I'm not excited for, and oh, I don't know that this was news, mm -hmm. um, but we got leaked... Uh, not footage, just leaked the uh, photos of mm -hmm. uh, Bill Skarsgård as oh Jesus the crow, the crow? yeah, and oh. I, 
I I don't want to like we haven't seen any footage, even though this is supposed to be coming out in June. June? Okay. June seventh. They moved it up. They were so high on this post Malone version of The Crow. Post Malone The Crow. That that is that's perfect. That is perfect (laughs) description. We had post Malone's Joker, and now we have post Malone's Crow. But they went even farther because he has this mullet and he has, like, man. Yeah. I just look at this and I'm like, so Skarsgård actually has another move. Like, it's so weird. Like, I know what happened. They saw the preview for Boy Kills World and that shit rocks. And that has a chance of actually probably being a breakout hit. And they were like, oh, let's ride the Bill Skarsgård train. Let's move up let's move ours to back to the summer and then we're going to trade on brandon lee's memory and then bill skarsgård will be if he has that hit we'll just kind of like boy a uh, boy kills world superstar or a star new star bill skarsgård it's man like i'm not gonna go see it i'm already gonna tell you i'm not gonna go see this fucking movie i can already tell you that it's gonna be super rapey it's gonna be disgusting it's gonna just be I mean, I guarantee you it's going to have a Post Malone soundtrack. I guarantee it. It's going to have, like, Machine Gun Kelly. It's going to have all the rappers I don't want to listen to. All yeah. the white, stupid-ass, honky, Florida, Florida Georgia line, meth-infused rappers. And and that's with me saying that I like Post Malone. I do like Post Malone. Like, But I don't want my Post Malone with The Crow. Like, right? Like, I, I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on this crap? I I mean, I, I'm a big, big fan of mm-hmm. The Crow. Of Brandon course. Lee's The Crow. Like, uh, you know, beyond, like, just the, the weight of, like, this man died making this movie. Like, I I've, I mean, I wrote about it. You can go to yes. themovieowl.com. You can read it. Um, I, I love that movie. Like, it, as kind of pretentious as it is like because it it is but it's it's written like the original story is written by a dude who's dealing with grief and the same grief yeah Yeah. and so like it it does carry a lot of like pretentious is probably not the right word but like you know you want things to mean something like you want all of this to have meant something and like it's really hard for you to tell yourself that it didn't um but like this just feels like i like i don't even know as much as the sequels kind of felt like cash grabs um this is worse like i it just looks so like I, I I hate I I hate the way he looks. Like maybe the finished product will be okay, but I yeah. absolutely hate the way he looks. Um, it, it I mean people are making comparisons. To, I mentioned Jared Leto's Joker, and mm-hmm. I think rightfully so. It's just like, hey man, we're all for more modern takes on these characters, but this feels like what a 12 year old thinks that a take on this character should be yes like you are a hundred percent right it is um (laughs) 
Yeah, like, okay, so, you know what I thought of? Do you, like, like what my mind went to? Have you seen, you've seen, of course, you've, like, I know you're not a Saturday Night Live fan, you don't watch the show in its current iteration, but you've seen the Timothy Chalamet drip, drip, water, splash, splash. Yeah. You've seen that, that's what I heard in my head when I saw Bill Skarsgård's photo. Like, drip, drip, water, splash. Like, it was literally like, a tw- like you said, a 12-year-old, like, you put it more succinctly than I could ever have done, which is, this is the 12-year-old versions of the of the crow and what the crow would look like. Like, like a, a kid who's just finding out that he can draw, right? And so, like, right. he sees the crow late at night, and then he's like, because he's into, like, Posty and all these other stupid white rappers, he's like, I'm gonna make it, like, new. And he draws a jaunty, weird-ass first version of the crow, and then... Like, literally everybody was like, yes, that. That's what we need. Like, including the weird-ass tattoos. I've also seen, like, memes of, like, basically um, Pete Davidson. And they say, the crow. Like, yeah, it's only yeah. the, without his shirt. And it just says, the crow. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I would be more on board for, for that um, than this. Uh, I, I mean, look, again, I love the original the yeah. crow i love the book it's probably the only truly great thing alex proyas well i don't know D- dark, dark city, city. Um, dark city yeah those two things other than yes. that yeah other than that alex proyas is not he's just like it's like what happened man <laughs> but well, like when alex s- proyas is trolling you about this like yes you may <laughs> have made a misstep I mean, this is a dude that made. Uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Did it? He he's the guy that made that Lindsay Lohan like death movie, right? Was um, that Alex Broyus? Was she like dies and has to figure out her? Maybe, maybe not. Oh yes, no, I think it is. I think it is. Um, I know that. Okay, so like he is the dude that made the knowing. Like, like you, and, and you know the knowing at, like, it's and, the and Nick I Cage and <laughs> iRobot, yes. Um, he, uh, let me see here. He also, dire- uh, no, he didn't, but he also directed one of the worst, best, craptacular movies of all time in Gods of Egypt. Have you seen yeah, this fucking Gods movie? Gods of Egypt is terrible. It is Madam Web, it is, like, it makes Madam Web look like, look like Kubrick. But I will say it's a lot more entertaining than Madam Web. Madam Web is just mystifying to me. Like I like you know, um, I watched it again because of like you know, thank you for that thing. Um, we're not gonna just I'm not gonna say anything more than yeah. that. Thank you for that thing. <laughs> um, uh, but and I, I was more like again, I was just super mystified. Whereas like Gods of Egypt, it was like, oh, so. You think that you're making 300, but you're not, and it's just really stupid, stupid, stupid stuff. This is like crawl level stupidity. With uh, you I, know, I, I, I think that's an insult to crawl. <laughs> yeah, that is. It is an insult to crawl. It's like an insult to everything. Like trying to compare it to anything. Like this is a movie that has Chadwick Boseman, where Chadwick Boseman looks embarrassed. Like he true, like he doesn't know how to cut this. Where it's like, oh, okay, this is like, this is something I can do. No, this is like literally a movie where you see him 
And he's like, can you cut me out of this? Can you cut me out more? Like, please cut me out more. I like, you know, I just played Jackie Robinson. What, like, come on, please let me out of this contract. You know? Um, yeah. Gods of Egypt, man, that fucking movie. Um, when the guy, when the director of Gods of Egypt is like clowning you for your fucking crow yeah. movie that you just put together. Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah. You're there's something wrong. Right. There's something very wrong with this. Um, so, yeah, uh, I am not I'm not going to see it. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to see it. I don't want to see it because <laughs> it will take a pretty good trailer to get me to see this movie. So. Yeah, and even and even then they can cut a good trailer. I don't know if I can. I, I almost have a feeling that they're going to use the Stone Temple Pilots song in the uh. trailer. Yeah, I feel like they're going to trade They're going to put all their chips on 90s nostalgia Because they know it's that bad Mm, I don't like that (laughs) I don't like that either, man Uh I don't like it either But, I mean, you know, that's Lionsgate I mean, Lionsgate makes some really great Deranged, lunatic, like, genre films But sometimes they shit the bed They shit the bed And this looks like not just shitting the bed, but rubbing it in your face and running around like you were a golden retriever in, in fresh mud. Like that's literally what this looks like. And I've only seen two pictures, right? Um, you know, as soon as I saw the mullet, I was like, okay, I'm fucking done. I'm done. Like I don't need the Denmark version of uh, like Denmark black metal white rapper from Florida version of uh, uh, of the crow. I just don't like. Ugh. Good God. Um, Can we, before we transition over, can we talk about, is there any other piece of news that's like actually positive? Because this one left a bad taste in my mouth. (laughs) Uh, Not that I saw. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's nothing is there. Like (laughs) nothing good at least, Um, you know. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, here we go. We got our first look at Jared Leto in Tron. Aries. Oh God, Aries! Yeah, oh, Jesus Christ. We might as well talk about that. With like, can can he wear the outfit the entire time? I hope he does. I really hope he does. Like, like, but you know, there's going to be some kind of Jesus imagery in it. Like, I just like I kept on thinking about this, and I'm like, why is he doing this? Like, what is it? Like, like Jared Leto, like or Leto, or however he pronounces his name. He's such a weird mercurial man. Like I thought Donald Glover was weird with his choices and stuff and like what he chooses to do and not to do. I don't know who does who has like a weirder like brain, him or Leto, because like I don't understand any of it, right? Like his choices. Like why Tron? Like like and Jeff Bridges is not involved with the movie. Like it's it's like a complete reboot, right? Like we are at a point right now where you could reboot the original version of the tr- the second Tron, like you know the or the Tron Legacy. <laughs> That's why they dropped it. Think about it, because Tron Legacy did terribly, right? Yeah. <laughs> so why, why why like everybody like Tron Legacy, Superman Legacy? Nah, let's not do that. But anywho, but I mean, you've got Bridges. Bridges is, you know, I mean, he he'll always be Bridges, right? But You've got like a cast, including Chillian Murphy. Like you have a cameo in that in that sequel of Chillian Murphy. Like why why not 
produce a movie about Chillian Murphy's character. Like you have an Academy Award winner now. You've got like like do something like that. Why Jared Leto? Like it is it because you want like and this is the weird part is we know that they're gonna go from like how do you go from Daft Punk to thirty seconds from Mars? Like yeah. that's like that's like the crow. That's like going from Brandon Lee to Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> I mean like it's like what? What are you doing? Um yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, I don't know, man. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna have a lot of money pushed against it, and it's probably gonna look really nice and beautiful, but I'm like, so I'm gonna have to spend two and a half hours watching something pretty, but then every time something pretty comes up, Jared Leto's face is there. Like, I don't even know who the rest of the cast is. Uh me either. I, like I didn't hate Tron Legacy. Like I thought mm-hmm. it was like weird that it it wasn't a bigger movie but yeah like at the same time i've also never really understood the love that people have for tron um mainly probably because i didn't see tron as a kid oh it it was not in my my like uh, weirdly enough none of the like disney like attempts at sci-fi things were Black ever hole. in my purview as a child. Oh, okay. Like that's interesting. I it was it was just something lost to me. So I saw them much later in life. So I don't have the the fondness for for that stuff. I mean, the cast mm-hmm. is pretty good. Jillian Anderson, Cameron Monaghan, um, everybody's Ridley. favorite Evan Peters. Evan um, Peters. Yeah, so, uh, Jody Turner Smith, uh, Hassan Majani. Um, yeah, I mean it's actually got a pretty good cast. Like uh, the Gre- Greta Lee of it all interests me. Arturo Castro, who uh, I like because uh, like, like he's he's like he's become like a little like kind of like pulling up on things. Like he was in the menu. Um, he was in um, he was in Broad City. Like, I don't know if you watched Broad City, but I didn't. I really liked him. Um, he's also in the Vince Staples show, I, which I just recently watched. And um, pretty brilliant uh, piece of, like, limited uh, limited series fiction. But, I mean, yeah. It, it looks like, okay, well, um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm very interested. Uh, especially, like, Jillian Anderson is interesting to me. Yeah. Like, uh like, is she going to be a human, like a character in the real world, or is she going to be a Tron character, right? Like, um, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Um, the other, uh, the other thing that we found out is so fucking weird, and it's kind of perfect. Liam Neeson is doing the Naked Gun series. Like, he's doing the reboot with yeah. the Lonely Island guys and Seth MacFarlane producing, um, which, like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, when you think Frank Drebin, like, and you think Leslie Nielsen, like, that's the comp, right? Like, like Liam Neeson is the comp because Liam, ne- like, because Leslie Nielsen, before he became like this weird comedian that like got involved with parody movies, oh, he, he was, was a, a serious, super fucking... serious actor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah super he, fucking uh, serious. I, but he, like, that became his shtick, and yep. like. But he was always that person, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. he was, you know, and he that he leaned into it at, at you know at some point in his career. 
Um, and it probably cost him serious roles later, but yeah. uh, he always seemed to be having a really good time with it. Um, yeah, that it'll be interesting if they don't go too 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 racy with it. Like, yeah, they, they can push the envelope a little bit, but like the Naked Gun thing, like it would be racy, but way way more subtle than you know and, and more cheeky and not just like gross you know don't yeah. don't do the scary movie kind of thing well and that's the thing is that it was always it was always like i always think of uh, i always like the 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 apex of naked gun comedy is oh and we and, and we practice safe sex and it's them in two giant condoms. Yeah. Like 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 jumping into bed. Like like that's naked gun, right? Um never mind the unintentional comedy of OJ Simpson being there. Right. Um <laughs> but did you ever hear about the the third um the third naked gun movie and what they really wanted to do and the reason why um Abrams uh Abrams didn't come back the ZAZ uh Zucker the Zucker brothers and Abrams didn't come back? Nah. Wild. Okay. So what they wanted to do was call it, I think it was called um, Naked Gun 33 and a third, The Trial of Nordberg. And basically all they wanted to do was have an opening moment where Nordberg is framed for killing a white woman and a white man and flees on a Bronco. And gets in trouble and gets put in court. And then they were going to actually take real life court, like all of the OJ Simpson, like court, like, you know, um, uh, like some of the court, like, you know, uh, what is it? The, uh, like, like all of the scripting or not the scripting, but all of the dialogue was going to be from court text. And basically it was the trial of Nordberg, but it was really OJ Simpson and they were going to cast OJ Simpson. <laughs> could you fucking like and paramount like they turned in the script and paramount fucking flipped their shit and were like no way we are never going to do this you will cause riots across the united states this is not funny and and they were like well we think it's pretty funny and if you don't want to do this then you're not going to get us to direct bye bye and they just literally summarily fired them <laughs> like i i just like it, wild right like like um, I always find that funny that the third one was the reason why they didn't they didn't participate was because they had that script. It's it's kind of amazing and beautiful, and I love that. And it's probably not going to be that, and it's probably not going to be. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be any good. Like I, to be perfectly honest, I know that Jorma Tacone and the Lonely Island guys are involved with the script. Uh, they're actually writing it rather than Seth uh, Seth MacFarlane writing it, which thank God for that. We won't just have, you know, obvious jokes, but I mean, so here's the question for me. Do you, do you ape police, like you, you like police stories or do you take the man that you're, that you're casting and make fun of his movies? Well, like so a man gone the, rogue. The thing about naked gun, like it was Originally from the files of Police Squad because it started squad. as yeah. a show 
called Police Squad. Squad. And Police Squad yeah. was a parody show of like Dragnet, which Dragnet. was yeah. a big like police procedural show at the time. So uh, if you're doing like a one for one thing, you've got to do like modern police shows. Yeah, I like think. Law and Order and stuff. Yeah, like, but that, CSI, but, oh. NCIS, like that kind of thing. Oh my God, could you imagine like it was like, he's like an ex-Navy SEAL or something like that. Like, I mean, that'd be great. Skills. <laughs> and then he just, everything he does is murder, death, kill. Like, because like, that's what Liam Neeson does in movies, right? He doesn't do, like he's a fucking bull in a china shop. He just literally... <laughs> murder death kills until he gets the result he wants <laughs> mm. but I'm going to post something to you like haven't they already done that with Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah I mean literally the guys who the Lonely Island guys like you know like which include Andy Samberg have all done this stuff before so I'm like I don't know man it's like it's a weird thing like I ta- I texted you about it and I was like wouldn't we rather just have the Lonely Island guys take Liam Neeson and build a movie around him that's very specific to him and his and his filmography and kind of just burn it to the fucking ground? Rather than do a police squad where we're going to, like, you know, like you said, like, it's going to be like SVU or something like that, right? Yeah. But it's not going to be, it's going to be the, the most obvious of obvious because, of course, Seth MacFarlane's involved. Um, I'm not a big fan. Um, though the first Ted is kind of brilliant in its brilliantness and its stupidity and it's like Boston weirdness. Um, but yeah, so we, I, I guess, I mean, do we think it's going to actually get off the ground? Like just because he's casting, it doesn't mean it's going to get off the ground. Right. I mean, yeah, that's true. Uh, it could stall out. <laughs> I guess it just all depends on how, like, committed he is to it. Um, because that's like, true. He, he he's he might not be like a huge force for like I can get stuff done, but like he's a big enough name that like if he wants to get a project off the ground, like even if a studio might be like, eh, like you know, the Liam Neeson business isn't a bad business, so. No, and if it hits, and it's even marginally funny, like, you know, a $20 million movie could make, like, $150 million, right? Worldwide, and that justifies it, right? I mean, and Paramount is the is the home of the double, right? Like, it, we've seen all of their, like, I mean, they made the Mean Girls musical that nobody, that supposedly nobody went to see, but it still made $200 million worldwide on, like, a $10 million budget. Yeah. So, I mean, you know it does make feasible sense, I guess. Like, like at least, like, like you said, like being in the Liam Neeson business is not a bad thing, right? Um, especially when he, I mean, even though he's like 75 years old, I mean, it's like crazy that he's like that old, but he is. Um, so, I don't know, man. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But like, but I, I honestly am like, like you what you said to me was kind of like, didn't they already try to do this with Westerns and it didn't yeah. work? And you're a hundred percent right. It's like, okay. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
yeah, the the what's a, a million ways to die in the West or whatever it was called. Yeah, uh, was so like it had its moments, but like overall, it was just it was mostly just a waste of time. So yeah, it really was. Um, so so I I haven't had a chance to watch much, but I did mm-hmm. read something this week that is really really interesting. And I kind of want to talk talk about it because, you know, Spider-Man's kind of on the brain lately. Mm-hmm. So people have been going apeshit, or at least comic readers have been going apeshit over a new Ultimate Spider-Man. Marvel has relaunched their Ultimate Universe and introduced a new Ultimate Spider-Man uh, title. Mm-hmm. And so, like, th- there's a lot of backstory about why things happen like they happen but the the mm-hmm. shrunk down version is the old ultimate universe there was a, a reed richards in that universe a lot younger he was too smart for his own good like he becomes this character called the maker and like he's he's just evil like just reed richards gone like batshit insane evil scientist. Oh wow! And okay, like he survived the collapse of the multiverse, and so he's been living in the actual Marvel universe. Anyway, he figures out a way. Like he comes up with this plan for basically him to go to another universe, get in league with all of these supervillains, and stop superheroes from ever existing and he does that like it it doesn't really matter how he does it but one of the things like the depend like one of the like prime things is that he stops the spider from ever fighting peter parker oh so it the book opens just on a Peter Parker who was never bitten by a radioactive spider who grew up married Mary Jane uncle Ben never died he's actually they both work at the Daily Bugle they're great friends with J. Jonah Jameson they have two children like it's very like average normal life and then Peter gets this mysterious thing. Um, that, well, well, I will say, so one of the driving principles of it is that um, way back whenever, like, he was younger, uh-huh. uh, there was a 9-11 level event with... Oh. But the the perpetrator was framed as... Tony Stark, this oh. uh, maniacal, like scientific rich boy who's like went nuts, and you don't really know what happened, but you know it killed a lot of people, including May Parker. So Aunt May is actually dead in this universe. Oh well, not Uncle okay. Ben. Um, so he, so Peter, adult Peter gets this mm-hmm. mysterious thing 
uh, saying a box is not correct because it's like otherworldly. And okay. this hologram of Tony Stark as Iron Man tells him this story about, you know, like you don't know this and hopefully you're getting this message. But uh, decades ago, you were supposed to be bitten by a radioactive spider and you would usher in a new age of superheroes that would, you know, change the world and, you know, like, but something went wrong and this guy has found a way to stop that from happening. And I, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm sending it. It's like this message in a bottle into the future from the past. And it contains mm. the spider. So oh. adult Peter lets this spider bite him. And then oh, wow. he becomes Spider-Man as an adult, not as a child. So like it, there's only two issues uh, and it's, it's, it's a, it tries to like condense some of the like background stuff you need to know. Um, mm -hmm. So that's not too overwhelming, like uh, very much in a star Wars crawlish thing. Like here's the pertinent okay. information. So you don't have to like go back and dig up. Uh, it was a series called ultimate invasion, I think um, mm. from last year. Uh, and like, I'm not really on board for the, like, how do they reverse this thing? Like mm -hmm. the maker stuff, like it's like, I don't know if I want to like get neck deep in dealing with more multiversal nonsense. Um, okay. And, you know, like quantum leaping yeah. the Marvel universe and setting it right. And, but the idea of like the adult Peter who, uh, like there's this really sweet moment in the second issue. His first costume is just this like uh, black mesh thing that uh, like some kind of uh, it's not nano picotech is what Tony calls it in his message. Mm -hmm. This picotech costume that basically just like makes him look uh, like a ninja or something like the early oh. daredevil black costume. And okay. so he's just running around with that. And uh, he's also taking pictures of himself in that for the paper, like to, to kind of like keep his career going. And mm -hmm. his daughter is terrified of this, this like dark shadowy figure. And huh. in, in the, <laughs> the second issue, he's so like, he so stupidly gets caught by her in the costume that like he has to reveal his identity to his very young, like five or six year old daughter. And okay. she's like, dad, like the costume is scary. Like you, we've got to do something. And I'm like, this is how we get to the red and blue Spider-Man outfit because his, his, yeah. his daughter's going to design it. So, um, it, it's, it's, it's a very, very unique take on Spider-Man. I'm really digging it. It's written by a guy named Jonathan Hickman who like oh, relaunched that. Yeah. Relaunched the X-Men a few years ago. Like he, he's a very like uh, notable and prolific comic book writer. Um, so I, I'm, I'm 
definitely on board for the foreseeable future. If it gets too heavy into the, like, you know, his X-Men stuff kind of, you get kind of lost in the woods after a while because he had such, he has really, really big ideas and they start off small. And yeah. then like the more you they, it expands and the more that there is to keep up with, like that's when it starts to lose me. And I, like, if this book goes that route, I will, uh, I, I never really checked out of his X-Men stuff, but like I did get kind of like eye rolling, like, oh, great. Yeah. Here's another, like another title that ties into all this. It's another book I have to read. Like, and now there's nine titles. We started with two. <laughs> so. Well, it, it almost sounds like that's what they're going to do though. If we're being honest, right? Like it sounds like. Yeah. It's I mean, they've already like launched just... <laughs> ultimate black Panther and uh, ultimate X-Men is coming soon, but they're also very, very different takes on those characters set with seemingly within this universe. Um, so I, the, the X-Men book is going to be written and drawn by, uh, Peach Momoko, um, who I am not the biggest fan of. Um, okay. and like, I won't even get into all that, but, uh, it, it's, uh, I'm not really looking forward to it. I'll probably check out the first issue, but I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want like this kind of X-Men. And I don't I don't know. I like the old the ultimate original Ultimate X-Men book. I couldn't get into. Like I'm just like this it much like Bill Skarsgård's The Crow. I was like this is not my X-Men, man. <laughs> like I don't really dig this. But like you can give me a 100 different takes on the Peter Parker Spider-Man type of story and I'm just mm -hmm. like, "Oh, cool, new take. You changed the X-Men." I'm just like, "No. No." That's not it. <laughs> you don't have it. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't need young punk Wolverine. Don't want that. <laughs> I like grumpy, hairy old man Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, that's like that's the only. Uh, I mean, like since I was a kid, like since I was a fucking kid, just give me grumpy. Like, uh, there's something inherently beautiful about grumpy old man Logan, right? Like, just come on. Don't don't give me young Logan. That's just that feels like when I read it, uh, when I read it, when they were trying to do like origins, like it didn't work for me. Like it didn't work for me at all in any way, shape or form. So, you know, but um, question for you, um, because this is kind of adjacent. Um, have you uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, speaking of Spider-Man, what are your thoughts of Spider-Man 2? Have you made any progress or has this been? more of a week of of uh, non PS5 play. <laughs> um I haven't made any story progress. Uh okay. much like I assumed would happen. I got you know enough into the story that I could traverse the city and just mm -hmm. do things. So mostly I boot it up and I swing around the city and I beat up bad guys and I save people and put out fires, find like tech, go beat up. Uh, I, I, I think I actually found all the sand crystals. Um, okay. So, I, I mean, I guess kind of sort of spoilers for a video game, but does that storyline just end with you going to Sandman's daughter's house and yes. giving her a statue? Okay. Yeah. I've done with yeah. that. So I've beat up all the sand people. 
Um, <laughs> uh, All the sand memories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I, there's, I'm still a little, like, I get a little lost in the woods when I'm having to fight the hunters. Uh, like I, there's a few times where I've still gotten completely overwhelmed and gotten mm-hmm. my ass kicked. Um, so I, I, I started focusing on just like getting upgrades, but, uh, I think I'm at a point now where I've upgraded almost everything I can until I progress further into the story. Um, so I, I'll probably do some of that today. Uh, play oh, okay. that the next part of the story. I think the last thing story-wise that I played was Peter's reunion with Harry. Oh wow, you're super. Like so you haven't oh, even yeah. to you haven't even gotten to Coney Island yet. No, no. Oh, so you haven't unlocked there's a bunch of stuff that gets unlocked when once you like there's more stuff that you probably haven't even gotten to yet. Like I know you haven't gotten to because it doesn't get unlocked until certain story markers are met. Um, the Mysterio Mysteriums, like I think you're gonna have a wild fun time with. But I you've got to get the next thing, like because yes. I, I have been playing going... as Miles, and he's like, mm-hmm. I got to see what Mysterio's up to. Yes, um, that will. Definitely, like once you get to the Coney Islands section of uh, of the storyline, um, a lot of those things will be unlocked, and you'll have a good time with those things. Those are a lot of fun. Uh, those are like mini trial games within the within the city as well. So um, there's a lot. Like I like I'm really genuinely excited for you to hit this, and then also um, I think it's next week. Or maybe it is even maybe it was March first. Uh, there's a um, Spider-Man two update from Insomniac. Um, that's gonna have more, like, like uh, more. Uh, it's March seventh actually. It'll have new suits, new updates, um, a Game Plus, which I know a lot of people love. I don't. I don't participate in Game Plus. Uh, like, you know, the harder version of it and stuff. It just, it doesn't, mm, I mean, you know, most, most everything that you can get, like, w- like to get to a hundred percent is all based off of like everything that you do in the game. So it's not like you need a game plus to do any of the additional level things. It's just a harder version. Um, I've never been a big fan of those things um, because I'm not really a replay guy. Um, I am certain, a certain extent, like, if it's been 15 years since I've 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 played something like I just recently got um, the um, because it was on sale for like 30 bucks I got the PS5 version of the Metal Gear Solid um, trilogy upgrade pack that they just released yeah um, because I want to replay the first three PS or the next gen versions of it and then they also have the uh, two NES um, Metal Gear Solid games, or just Metal Gear, um, on it also ported over. So I'm very excited about that. But for the most part, I really don't replay games. So like Game Plus doesn't help me in any way, shape, or form. But they're going to be new suits and new other things. And uh, so I'm kind of excited about that. So I'm going to probably head into Spider-Man 2 again um, fairly cer- uh, fairly soon. So, so yeah, no. Um, just wanted to see where you were. Um, and you know what, 
if Spider-Man 2 is a vibe for you and you just get to get to like explore and see the beauty of how is it on the big screen like on the on the projector like are you super digging it um i i it just makes me want a better projector no man well actually then it's doing its job isn't it yeah uh, like it it looks fine but i'm just like uh i see where like this could be brighter or like there's some uh it's just not quite you know you can kind of forgive like like not great video mm-hmm. when you're watching a movie because you're just you're kind of into it but when you're playing a game and you you like you're like i know this would look better on my television like so that means my projector's not as great as i would like my projector to be so uh, I, I would imagine probably by the end of this year, I will have upgraded to, uh, you know, a 4K, like, you know, high end, you know, $1,500, uh, you know, you can see it in the daylight projector. <laughs> so, yes. No, I understand all too well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks fine. Um, okay. So I, I've, I've got it set up. Where, because the the projector is the only real television that was in the living room, I have mm-hmm. a, a very small TV that I I had in the kitchen that I was uh, kind of just uh, using as a computer monitor at one point. Okay. Um, and so I, when I got Ripley, I started I kept that in the living room, so I didn't have to leave the projector on for her. Because like uh, that's just a lot, you know. Yeah. Um. So I I set up this little TV on the coffee table because it's just easy to move, um. And it it's close enough to the PlayStation that if I don't feel like, you know, like lowering the screen and turning all the lights off, and I can just like pop out the the uh, the HDMI cord and just plug it into the little TV and play. So I kind of bounce back and forth between those two things so okay 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 that makes sense that that makes sense because like i won't i won't put my ps5 on a projector i just won't because like it just looks so much better on my um my 85 sony like the 4k that i have like it just looks beautiful like there's just no there's no comparison right like occasionally i'll i'll pull out the ps5 and put it into my um into my office and play it on my uh, like 27 inch like like 4K monitor, and that's an experience and a half because it's kind of nice to have just a smaller screen and not such a big screen. Um, so, but um, but yeah, like no, no, like it's so weird to like. Is it weird to see how fast it loads? Like like the PS5. Like, it's, I'm always it's crazy. It's crazy. Right? Like the traversal stuff, like when you when you want to like move to a different place and you've already unlocked that place and then you just click it. It's literally it does like this cutscene in two seconds and you're already there. When I still remember playing a Spider-Man on a PS4 at a friend's house and those goddamn load times to get to yeah. someplace else were like long, long. Um, I can't wait for you to start playing other games on the PS5 as well. Like you know, kind of exploring 
different uh different games and stuff um i should send you my midnight suns because i'm not going to ever play it uh i feel like that's a game that you will probably dig because it's an rpg it's like a true turn-based rpg yeah it's it's one i wanted to play it's just it's weird because it's like like because it's not because it's not insomniac they don't have the same actors playing the roles yeah like for the voices so peter sounds different oh like it just it's very weird to like like to to um do all of these uh like like listen to all these people and like have like you know what i mean like there's no cross pollination and that always weirds me out like you know it's like i can always watch the disney animated tv shows and know that if i watch the avengers the guy who plays pete is the same guy who plays it on all of the spider-mans the guy who plays wolverine is i mean you know like all the voice actors are playing the same people like tony is the same person i guess i've gotten to the point in my life where it's like it's like that whole thing of like you know when somebody shows up they show up as the character right and it just throws me off like it was one of the many things that i that the midnight suns game was just kind of a little disappointing about um but yeah i just didn't i didn't care for it i i played i got halfway through and i was like oh there's another game like it's weird because it's like that's the only area where i will skip over something like if i'm reading a book i will finish a book right it may take me months but i'll finish that fucking book because it's like i'm like you know i'm gonna finish it right movies same way tv series same way video games i'll drop them like a bad habit like i told you like i like like Red Dead Redemption 2, don't at me, guys. Just could not get into it. Played five hours, six hours, and was like, I don't I don't see any end in sight of this being just like the most like the most asinine, like complex game. It's a freaking it's a freaking western. I should be able to just play it the way that I want to play it. And it just nope. Yeah. So so yeah. Um did you see anything else um this week uh i caught up on resident alien i actually didn't realize it was back um i so didn't realize I, that either okay yeah, uh so there's three episodes waiting for you on peacock uh, okay <laughs> uh it's it's such a fun show but at the same time i hope they're going somewhere with it like we're this is season three and i i know it was delayed strikes all that stuff Mm -hmm. but like i don't know like i it's it's they've really got to get somewhere with it other than like hey we're three seasons in and i'm still trying to figure out what the gray's plan is you know (laughs) yeah oh so it's still like even these three episodes are still like there's no kind of moving forward with the big mythology storyline. Just a little bit. By the end of the third episode, I think they've got got it to a place where, like, if this winds up being the last season, that like we we've we've come full full circle. Like we've gotten to the the, the meat of it. But also, the, this show's really good about like. You think it's this, and then like, oh nope, it's something else. Um, so I don't really know because the third episode kind of ends on not really a cliffhanger, but it is like a oh, and but you know it could just wind up being 
uh, I mean, because because Harry's an idiot, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like every time he thinks something is like he's on to something, it's just like, no, that that wasn't it at all, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, Alan Tudyk is just so much fun, and uh, he's the goat, man. Like, if he's like, as long as he's playing this character in this weird kind of like unnice version of Northern Exposure, yeah. like it, 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 it's it's okay. Like, it was weird because like I didn't make the comp until like I started like questioning whether I want not I wanted to buy Northern Exposure for a hundred bucks, like the complete Blu-ray series, and I was like. This is fucking. I was like, Resident Alien is basically the modern equivalent. It's but it's a meaner, meaner, meaner version of it, right? Um, which to which I'm okay with. It's just you are right. Like if you set something up so early, like that first season is like that first, like the first half of the first season. It's very kind of like based on what, like what is his purpose, right? And like the mysteries, and then. It does feel like slowly but surely they let go of the thread because they're having so much fun. Um, yeah. I mean, so like season two ends with him basically being recruited by the U.S. Yes. government, right? We get Linda Hamilton, like that that whole thing. And yeah. there's a little bit of that in the first episode of season three. Okay. But then it kind of just disappears. And oh, so it, like it's very very weird um and there's okay. a reason it kind of disappears but like in my mind all i can think of is like they either didn't know what to do with that story or they didn't have the budget to continue to do the thing that they thought they were gonna do so they have to like redirect and been like and like oh instead of doing that harry's you know, doing this. I won't spoil it for you because I know you're going to watch it. Yeah. Um, I I do think, and I have no idea how to say his last name, Inver, um, whatever his name is, yeah. uh, is, is a really good addition. Uh, and they're not using him enough. Like, I really, really like mm. that guy. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I know he comes up kind of sort of from the the joss whedon camp um yes but uh i I really enjoy him he's really funny has some really good like bits in the the first few episodes um i don't think they're utilizing him enough but uh but yeah i mean three episodes i I think it's probably a 10 or 12 episode season maybe 13 um so they've got plenty of like time to to build on what they're doing it's just i'm i'm really worried that like this is going to be the last season and we're going to end like on a like oh we didn't know this would be the last episode so there's no real ending to this show uh, okay but it, it's okay. still fun like it's fun to watch alan tudyk do his thing so yeah and be and just be a little weird freak of a of a person like you know or of an alien uh, I guess. Um, all right. Um, interesting. Very interesting. Um, uh, all right. Uh, anything else that you're watching? Uh, no. That that's. Uh, I, I got caught up on that. I got caught up on. Um, Bad Batch. So. Yeah. Oh, did you watch all of it? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. finished it late uh, last night. 
Um, so why don't we kind of get into that? Because it's the third and final season. We got our we have officially four episodes. Um, four episodes. We we got the the first three that were dropped on us um, last weekend, and then or last week, and then another additional episode. Uh, so. Thoughts, like overall, over overarching thoughts, because I'm very curious about what you think about this season. Well, I do think the second episode is the weakest of the season so far, yes. and it's weird saying that because I I'm not I've not been the biggest fan of this young uh, plucky clone that they've been babysitting for two seasons. Uh, she. She's kind of annoying, but when we get to like the, the premiere and like all of the stuff that's setting up, I was so interested in this story. And then the second episode is a sharp departure from that. And I was like, (laughs) no, (laughs) what are we doing? Um, I, but they, they go back quickly, go back to it in the third episode. Um, I, I get they were trying to like, here's what the other guys are up to. Uh, and yes. I, I appreciated that. Um, I, it's, I know I've said this before, but I love Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. I really, really wish that his current Star Wars did not have to be let me fucking fix Star Wars. Let because... me fix JJ's stupidity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I appreciate it. And he's doing a masterful job. Of oh, yeah. Trying to fill in all of that stuff, you know, oh, my because and like, there's so much of it that needs to be filled in. Right. Yeah. I mean, when they they start talking about uh, spoilers for the first few episodes, or, you know, when they start talking about the M count and you see the yep. emperor, like you know exactly what this is about, you know. Well, and they call it Project Necromancer. Yeah, I mean, come on, can you be more obvious? Like, like you know, um, yeah, like it. It's weird to watch, like this be the excuse of giving because you can almost feel like this was the reason and the sole reason why they were given a third season is that that this is part of the spackling of of the inconsistency the consistent inconsistencies of JJ's broken ass trilogy i'm going to call it a broken ass trilogy because it's very much so a broken ass trilogy right yeah and then, i then mean if, the- if he was going to do all this he should have just written and directed all three fucking parts because yeah. then it could have been whatever cockamamie story he wanted at least it would feel like a complete story as it is it, it just it doesn't feel like it, no. even a complete bad story it just feels like a lot of wasted potential in three movies. (laughs) But with that being said, what we're getting from Filoni, like, and the spackling is some of the best spackling that you'll ever see in your life. Like he knows how to approach a mystery. That's not a mystery, but a mystery to other characters. Um, it like, he knows how to teach people how to make star Wars. Right. And the star Wars that we're getting here is 
truly different Star Wars, as different as Andor is, but within the same realm and within the same kind of proclivities that or, or the like I guess yeah they're they're I would call them proclivities the proclivities that Dave loves right like he has a uncommon like obsession with the animals and flora and fauna of Star Wars to my to my love and surprise because the thing that I hooked in on in the first episode and then also the fourth episode um <clears throat> were like the first or the first the like not the second but the one three and four was like the addition of of an additional character that's not a character and how much like that really kind of emotionally grounded me which you know getting emotional about a cartoon is it, that's that's a hard thing for for somebody to do for me right like to like actually get emotionally invested but the way that he does it with um what do they call the what do they call call him or her? Um God. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, I should know this. Um let's see. Omega. Oh no 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 not the girl. The uh um, oh. the dog. The dog the the oh. weird dog uh shoot no i don't know that i cannot remember what they call her but they call her something uh him or her something and 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 she's a big part of it like it's the thing like what i love is that dave takes lucas's like george george's dictums like you know let's make animated series but let's make sure that there's lessons learned within those with within the like each episode right and <laughs> what I love about it is that Omega learns about like the right and wrong of animal treatment through this kind of oh, series. Yeah, and that's, yeah. it's, it's very interesting to see how that like evolves and it's played out, but it's such a gentle touch. You know, like how George has this very obvious sledgehammer version of it. It's like Dave learned to not be so obvious about it. Right. And to kind of give it a gentle touch. Um, I do love that Angelica Houston like showed up. It's um, so crazy, man. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, like, is that Angelica Houston? I'm low, and it's like, as soon as you hear it, you go, "Damn, that that is." And she's just, she has that perfect voice. I mean, that's why they used her in um, Star Wars Visions. Uh, she played a she played a Sith a Sith queen. Um, I don't know if you saw all those episodes the second yeah, season, but she does. She she has that one where the the girl chooses uh, that chooses the the way of the Sith, and it's kind of brilliant to use her voice because she has that she has that perfect like I don't know like that oozy voice, that kind of like oozy menacing voice. It's great. Like she shows up, and it's kind of it's kind of amazing. Um, Did you notice that they used Daniel Logan? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. Like it took me a second to realize. I was like, "Oh shit. Oh, okay. That is super fucking cool." Um, cuz I was like, "Who is this voice?" Okay, let's take let, let, let's take it back and like I I looked it up and I was like, oh, "Man, Dave just doing the good work." Like real like it's like he's not only like 
this is what I love about Dave more than anything else. And I think I've said this a couple of times is that he's not only doing the job of the heavy lifting with like different, different star Wars is to make sure that everything makes sense after, after like, you know, hot young shots or like, you know, like bigger directors come in and fuck this all up, but he still manages to do all that. And like, it's not even paying tribute. It's not forgetting every single person that has done a star wars and has been in a part of star wars right like from uh ahmad best to daniel logan to like just like d bradley baker and giving him like a, a place to shine for all of his like heavy lifting that he did on clone wars and giving him something like the bad batch because like we haven't even talked about the fact that all the clones are voiced by one single fucking person. Uh, and D. Those D. Bradley clones. Baker is just fucking like it. It is insane. It is the vocal equivalent of like watching Orphan Black, and you're like, it's mm-hmm. the same person. Like I know this is the same person, but there is so much personality. Like because it's not just it's not that he's playing different characters. That's not the thing yeah it's that he's playing the same character with different personalities and exactly it is so insane how well he does that and like i've heard people talk about like watching him do it and uh, like and he's instrumental in developing like those personalities for those clones like it's just it's so fucking good and you know you you can kind of forget it's all just the same guy and that they're all like versions of that you know original uh Django Fett and you know it's yeah he's doing astounding work he does not get enough credit for all the work he's done with the clone wars like you know know, as as much as like everybody else like the 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 big you know like anakin and mace and yoda and uh obi-wan like they're all great but Mm -hmm. He's D. Bradley Baker is just knocking it out of the fucking park. Like, you know, he really is. Like, like, like in no un uh, like in no uncertain terms, he very much so is. Um, and like, it's just it. It's really great to see, um, to see like him have a platform for this and like the Bad Batch like over the last what five years because. I think it was 2019 is when it started. Um, no, yeah, 2019 or 2020. Which was it? It was 2019, I think. Um, it just no, no, 2021. I'm sorry. But like the last three years, just watching like him have that stage. And I mean, I was the first to say I wasn't sure about this. Like the first episode to me was very kind of like fan service because they had they had Caleb on it and they had this whole thing at the beginning and it just felt like I was like saw Guerrera and it just felt like 
it felt a little too fan servicey for my taste. But then when they got away, away from that and they just let the Bad Batch be like, you know, uh, the Bad Batch be the Bad Batch, it kind of shined because it like gave them room to do all of this stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, like I'm. I'm sad that it's ending, but I mean, we've gotten 50 episodes or we'll have 50 episodes by the end. Yeah. Um, that's, that's astounding. Like that we, we got this much from this series, right? Like a non, like the one thing I can say in the Filoni era, the beginning of the Filoni era, the, I guess it would be the Filoni Favreau era is that I love the fact that we are not getting jedi tales we are getting like not only like you know just regular star wars but we're also getting just force users it's like the like jedi jedis and sith are kind of like they're there but they're not jedis and sith anymore because how can you be a jedi or a sith if you're not a part of a like if the cult isn't there right if the if the infrastructure isn't there how are you a jedi Right, because a Jedi is a set. It, it, they're peacekeepers, right? So they're all become Force users, which I, I love the democratization of the Force, like in Filoni's hands, um, because like you know it's very apparent, like you know through the Clone Wars, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but it's like I know I think we have about like how the the Jedi's were just as responsible for being cultish and dogmatic in their ways as oh, yeah, the, of the empire. But I love how it's become more obvious in Filoni's hands. Like with the Clone Wars, like if you're if you're a real Star Wars fan and you take in all of the Star Wars, right? Like in its animated and filmic form, live action form, you get this sense that the reason why everything fell apart was because of this, right? Because yeah. of this, this cult. Uh, George was always trying to do that. The problem is he's not a subtle filmmaker. So <laughs> no, he's not. When he's doing it in the prequels and it's he's trying to be subtle about it, it comes off as, well, these people are morons. Instead of like subtle hints at like, Oh, they're they're too caught up in their own bullshit to they just wind up being their their own undoers, you know. Yep. It doesn't come off as subtle. It just makes them look like idiots. So, uh, you know, I I love George Lucas to death, but like, yeah, he's not not the strongest when it comes to things like that. Um, but no, yeah, having to do the heavy lifting. To justify the phrase, somehow Palpatine returned. Like, I hate that this might wind up being the the ultimate legacy of Filoni. Not not Filoni led Star Wars, but specifically Filoni created Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It is. It sucks. I'm glad he's there to do the work. It just sucks that he has to do the work. But yes. also, like, I I do, I am a big fan of, like, watching everything. I'm not mm-hmm. a big fan of, like, you must have seen this to understand this. And we are getting, I mean, we're at the point, like, when the movie came out, we were at the point of, 
there's a story that needs to be told about how this motherfucker came back. And we <laughs> never got that story. We just got nope. somehow he returned and all of this nonsense. And it's like, okay. I mean, in, in my mind, it's like, you're not going to ever be able to really watch rise of Skywalker if you want to and have it make sense without having seen like all of this and Mm -hmm. probably the Mandalorian too, like, and maybe Ahsoka, (laughs) like it's just, it's fucking maddening that they have to do all of that work to to make that make sense, you know, like, yeah, it, it's, it's so crazy. I, but I can appreciate it. Like thinking about it now, it's just like, wh- why did they stop cloning? Why? Like, what was the, and it's like oh, the, the entire fucking purpose, like a, yes, he got an army out of it, but now you're seeing like, Oh, what he wanted was, to know the limits to know mm-hmm. what he could do to know if he could live forever through the cloning process like exactly and, and never lose that power power you know? yeah that was the whole thing is that he was trying to get it so that he could like so like and that's the and that's the beauty of of the bad batch is that ultimately it's like you said it's 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 the justification for all of the cloning and the the title scroll, the title scroll of Rise of Skywalker, which, wow, that's some lazy shit. That's, I mean, even for JJ, that's some lazy shit, right? Like, and it just proves, it always proves to me, JJ knows how to open a, open a story. He doesn't know how to close it. That's why he didn't do the second movie because he doesn't, he has no idea. He has no idea. He doesn't have any idea of how to be how to continue a story and end a story. He knows how to open a story. Like, you know, I guarantee you when he was a kid, like if he had English classes and he had to do creative writing, his opening, like his openings were great. Like he, he has the, he has the mystery box, right? Stephen King in that way. Oh, it's like, man, we, we can, we can start a story, but buddy, like, yeah, I mean, just look at his Star Trek. I mean, yep. you you get that first one, and it's like, holy shit, this is the shot in the arm that this fucking franchise needed. Like, yep. wow, this is great. And then you get to the second one, and it's just like, um, I don't know, <laughs> maybe <Yeah>. Khan, <laughs> like. <laughs> He's con. He's not con. He's, he's not, not con. con. He's, yeah. he's con. He's definitely he's not it. con. Like, but shut the fuck up, dude. Oh my <laughs> god, man. Like uh, it's uh, it's uh, such a like it could have been fine, but they spend uh-huh. so spent so much time trying to make you believe that what had leaked wasn't true, and and it just all the misdirects and it was it just winds up being laughable. And and you just feel, I, I don't know, kind of sorry for everybody involved. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lie by any other name is J.J. Abrams. Yeah. 
That I mean, it's literally what it is. Like, like he really, he really, like, I still go back to that time, and I was still like on his side, right? And then it just became obvious that he was lying to us. And you know what? You don't lie to your fandom. You can do a lot of things, like. But I feel like in order to, like, you know, JJ had to, had to crawl, grovel, beg, and lie so that, so so that Kevin could learn how to actually conduct himself with fandom. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like, they're very similar. Like, JJ wants to be Kevin, but Kevin does, like, Kevin is just Kevin, right? Like, he will go down in history like David O. Selznick as one of the great, the greatest producers of all time. That's not a joke. That is not like subterfuge. That was, that's not being like, he's literally going to go down in history as one of the greatest producers of all time because of what he did. Right. And JJ will not be that, will not be that in any way, shape or form. What One of the big differences is when you have missteps, which Foggy's had a lot of missteps lately. mm -hmm. um, And he knows he's been spread too thin is not like, building up walls and just being like, I'm just not going to respond. Like he responds. Yeah. Like sometimes that response is like a shoulder shrug, like, uh, <laughs> but like it, it is a response. It's like, yeah, well, you know, that didn't pan out like we wanted to, like some things happened that we couldn't control. Like, you know, it, it it's, it's not a full acknowledgement of like, Hey guys, the ship is sinking and we got to figure out how to ride it. But it's not a uh, like it's not a head in the sand, uh, you know, kind of thing. Uh, we're, I, I mean, JJ is kind of like that's what he did. It's like, oh well, I'm I'm just not gonna address any of this stuff, and I'm no. just gonna go away. Fuck fuck all y'all. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. Like, you didn't it's... like my movie? I'm gonna take my ball and go home. <laughs> That is exactly like it feels exactly like what what that is, right? Like, um, I'm just like who who was the original director? Josh Trank. Who for for the for third Star Wars movie? Oh because no, it was um, it was what's his name from Jurassic Tre- World? Colin uh, Trevor. Um, Colin Trevor. Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. Which. Uh, now that we have, uh, now we know what his version was. Like the script is out. Yeah. Give me like, that, man. Give yeah, me that. that. Was, yes, exactly. Like uh, Trevorrow, like what? Like Trevorrow got the vitriol that realistically, like for eventually for Jurassic World, got the vitriol that JJ should have gotten. Like yeah. real, like like. At least Trevorrow, like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, at least he had ideas of how to do it. And, like, you know, and, like, had had been given, like, this bullshit. Yeah. And had something, like, at least tangible that I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. That works. Jurassic World series does a lot wrong. And it's yes. not great. And... Like, he kind of loses the, like, look, man, we're here to see dinosaurs. Nobody gives a fuck about your giant locust. But, yeah. like, you're right. There's 
ideas there. There's not like as as like not completely well thought out as they are. Like he does connect the dots and and kind of give you these pieces of a puzzle. It's not, you know, I hate to keep harping on the line, but it it's somehow Palpatine returned. Like this is how you this is how you write a fucking story. This is how you do this. I understand that the Star Wars crawls like do a lot of heavy lifting for a lot of the movies. Mm-hmm. But like there's something there in them. Like it's not literally just a line of dust. Like, I don't know, somehow this guy came back. Like what? <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? Like I, I don't know. Like in in a it, fucking world where George Lucas did three prequels and two of them involve clones, your fucking line to like somehow Palpatine. Now I know we find out in the movie like clones and da da da, but like that wasn't gonna be a big fucking reveal that he was a clone. It no. just wasn't. <laughs> So, like, you know, just going, yeah, I I would have rather seen uh, Colin's movie, like, again, like I said at the start of the show, at this point in my life, I would rather see, like, interesting failures or just fall on your face, like, embarrassment than, like, big swings from guys who like can do it and somehow just don't I, I, like it, it's baffling to me man um he's it's really like it's pretty obvious to me that he's just surrounded by yes people yeah and nobody had the balls to tell him like so like the worst thing that that whole group him, that the yeah. like Kathleen Kennedy and, you know and I was a big defender of her when when shit started, like, oh, you, you know, it became this yeah. whole misogynistic, like, like, look, man, like, she's, she's a heavyweight in the movie industry, like, mm-hmm. but the, the thing is, she's not, she doesn't know how to make Star Wars, she doesn't know what needs to be there, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Dave did, and he really how did. <laughs> different would this ship be if, from the jump, they were like, hey, this guy that worked at the feet of George Lucas making Star Wars day in and day out for years, maybe this is the guy. Like, we get Dave Filoni, we get Leland Chi, um, you know, like the, these old school guys, and there are our point men for, like, what we're going to do with the story. And they didn't like, nope. I, I get you want to take a big swing with JJ, like coming off the, the big Star Trek movies, but you know, like it just, it, but it didn't fucking imagine, work. Imagine a world where the Michael Arndt plot that he developed with George gets in the hands of Dave. And you also get, you hire the guy you should have initially hired, which was Fabs. Because if you think about it, yeah. Faz was in the line 
Like he was one of the guys that like he was one of the uh, one of the guys and the only I don't know the reason like I cannot remember the reason why I think it was because like and you know fucking Feige again the whole the non-committalness of him taking him letting um him letting Fabs take on the Avengers which he really wanted to do I think hurt him because he took his name i think he took his i think he's even talked about it where he took his name out of the running of four force awakens which i mean fabs or or the other guy that desperately wanted to do it um matthew vaughn like both of them desperately wanted yeah. to do force awakens with Arndt's script like that's the thing is that if you read Arndt's outline and it's out there it reeks of george but then that means that it's it reeks of Star Wars. It's and it's not a like. Here's the thing that I I like. I still can't get over is that JJ literally made a remake of A New Hope. Like yeah. literally made, remade A New Hope, and I'm like, like that's still to me like like you thought like when like you know because like the behind the scenes actually tells it like the force awakens like if you've seen the documentary that three hour long documentary it actually very transparent about what happens aren't says you know they literally you know jj pitched an idea and that was his his way of getting into star wars and uh yeah mine like you know he's like it hurt like you know i spent years developing it with george before the sale it was probably the reason why they got the sale because they had a plan and then they just threw it out and it's like yeah. at that moment you knew that there were going to be problems. It, Star Wars big screen for the most part has mm -hmm. just been Disney panicking about trying to please people who you Shit, can't fucking yes. please. Like as yep. speaking as a Star Wars fan, I can tell you we're very difficult to please. Even when it's good, we're going to find something wrong with it. Um, you know, I, I mean, I can tear apart George Lucas's Star Wars and tell you why it like, like, here's what you should have done to, to make it better. Like, it's just, it's kind of just in our nature, but like, I, again, would, would have rather had like new Star Wars than retreaded Star Wars. Like a lot of people want to point to, to Ray's journey especially in the first film like uh, being bullshit and calling her what a Mary Sue and like just mm -hmm. all of that dumb shit and I'm like it's not like that's like I that's an easy target and I really don't think that's the problem with with any of those movies is mm -hmm. is her her shit at the end it is terrible but she didn't write that dialogue so um no. you know like her journey is fine it, it, like how fast she learns the force is fine like it, like it not all of that it's it's just fine yeah it's okay it, it's that disney panicked and like uh, oh everybody hates the prequels so we got to make something like the original movies like that's what we have to do but meanwhile this guy dave filoni is just like okay and just keeps following the plan like like this will all make sense like just keep going and he's yeah. still making it make sense like 
they fucked up the future and now he's having to make the future make sense. <laughs> so. Exactly. And in the process is going to make JJ look better. Like I'm yeah. like, uh, okay, well that's great. I mean, Fucking. you know, the clone wars TV show made the prequels better movies. They so did. I, I, I can appreciate that, but like, he, like, he just he shouldn't have to to make those sequel movies better just you know not even better just make them make sense like yeah. especially rise of skywalker make rise of, and, and you know that's fine you make the the emperor plot or the palpatine plot in rise of skywalker make sense that's fine but it also negates all the other shit that came before it uh, which, which is baffling Like I don't understand that um, And it doesn't change All of the other dumb shit In that movie That J.J. introduces That just doesn't fuck Like the, We were so excited about the Knights of Ren man Like what is that What is this gonna yeah. be And it's fucking nothing Like you know it's a thing that Dave Filoni has to pick up 10 years later. Yeah. Uh, in, in in the animated series, Luke's Luke's uh, Jedi Temple, right? Like, uh, well, they, it's they, coming soon. In the comics, they, they show you what the Knights of Ren are. And, mm-hmm. like, if that is truly the canon, it's not great. Um, it, it's kind of just a waste, like, of cool-looking things. Um and that's kind of what they make it in the comics, like a bunch of dipshits who think they're cool and they're not. Um, so it's like, I, I don't know if it's like them going like, hey, that's kind of what it turned out to be in the movie is a bunch of things that looked cool and wound up not being cool. So we're just oh, going to yeah. make it that way in the comics. Here's a bunch of things that look cool and turns out they're all just dumbasses. <laughs> so... But, like, the bullshit romance, uh, like, the kiss, like, just all of that, how it doesn't make any, I I get from a point of view of, like, they didn't have Carrie, I get it, and I know that caused, like, some, some rewrites and some, like, redirects, but it makes no fucking sense for him to see Han. It doesn't. Absolutely it really doesn't. no sense. Like, it's no. literally just you going, we don't have Carrie. What if it's a father-son thing? And uh, Han never had a single ounce of force ability. Like, it no. makes more sense for it to be Luke. You know? Yeah. I, and It does. I, yeah. I, I know this has turned into shit on Rise of Skywalker, but... Uh, it's, well, if it's, we don't have it every every six months, yeah, then, you know, I'm sorry, but you, you just can't. <laughs> you, you you just not want. You're just not listening to us. Like you you don't understand us if you don't understand that that, that every couple of months, every six six to eight months, we need to have this fleshing out or this exorcism of the shittiness yeah. that ju- that Dave has or the the shittiness that Dave has had to clean up. Um, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm enjoying the bad. Like, I'm really, really enjoying the bad batch. Also, the other thing that Dave 
turns out to be like really uh, proficient at is taking characters that when they are introduced, I look at and go, I fucking hate this character. Like, I just hate them. They're so annoying. Mm -hmm. And by by the third season, I'm just like, if anything happens to this character, I'm going to be emotionally devastated. (laughs) Uh, I I, I hated Ahsoka. I hated Ezra Bridger. Um, We didn't get more than two seasons of uh, Star Wars Resistance, but Kaz was fucking annoying, man. (laughs) But by the second season, I was like, I really like this kid. <laughs> exactly. And like, that's where I'm like, you know, things like Ahsoka season two, I feel like are going to like, it, like there's something about the way that Dave writes people that you just kind of go, man, they're annoying. But then at a certain point, like you said, it just magically yeah. happens where you get attached to them and their annoyingness. Like they're like, you know, it's just kind of crazy. Right. It's yeah. kind of amazing and beautiful, and like I don't know how he does it. I don't know what the trick is, but damn. Yeah. And uh, Omega, you know, at first I was just same boat. I wasn't. I was like, oh yeah. my god, I do not like this character. And now I'm just like, oh my god, if they <laughs> if they don't rescue Omega, I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, one last thing because I completely forgot it was in my notes, and then we'll close on this. How fucking awesome is it that eugene levy is joining only murderers in the building season four? Oh, it's great man like i am excited to watch him play with those two guys i mean you're talking about well i mean two canadian greats and yes uh, him and martin short so, short yeah um I, i'm i'm so so excited to see what they do with that i know that that they're they're shifting we're going to be in uh los angeles for uh, yes. this reboot or reboot this uh new season um it, you know give it a little fresh uh fresh blood you know i and change it was, over yeah yeah and and, and also we're going to get to play in like Steve Martin's world, like that exactly. character's LA world. Sto- yeah. Yes. And, and also like kind of like, sh- like hints of LA story, right? Yeah. Like you can only imagine because it's Martin writing LA, like the first time in a very long time that he's written LA. So, oh, I mean, I think since LA story, but I mean, you know, it's kind of beautiful that Martin, uh, Steve Martin wrote LA story and then was like, Man, I can't do anything else about LA. This is just, I mean, as an Angelino who grew up in Angelino, like that is a big, that is a big LA movie. Like, even though the jokes are very dry now and people don't understand them as much as they used to, that was like a LA movie. Like, it was truly an LA movie, right? Like, 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 but to see him go back and with the only murderers, like, kind of like, Juno says qua that it has. I am very, very excited. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I mean, we, and then they added, um, also, they also added Molly Shannon, another goat of comedy, and Eva Longoria. Like, yeah. that's interesting. Um, I just thought that I'd bring it up because I had completely forgot, like, through all of this stuff, like, because, like, you know, Levy, like, you know, um, they were, uh, like, that this was, like, it was minor, 
in the grand scheme of things, but it was still a major thing because I was like, this is like the best, this is probably the best TV show currently running. And like, you know, or at least like, at least in my estimation, or the most entertaining, I should say. And to get a powerhouse like him, I mean, you know, good lord. I mean, if you if you could if you can get him, if you can get Catherine O'Hara, then then like that's just cooking with gas, right? Um so I'm just gonna take it as a win right now because we don't know how many more of these seasons we have left. And I don't want to think about that. I just want to enjoy the fact that we've got some truly got some truly great casting. Um, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I, I know it's gonna be a little bit uh longer because it you know mm-hmm. filming and everything got pushed by the strike but uh mm-hmm. yeah uh i really really stoked that they're able to like uh it's <laughs> i guess calling it, it's not new blood but like to like in, continue to infuse the show with you know some some freshness and that that other people just want to come play in that world because mm-hmm. it it it's so much fun it's such a fun show Absolutely. It really, it really truly is. And the standard right now for like comedy, like I feel like, like it's not a comedy, but it is like, it truly is like, you know, um, it does, it does it in the right way. Um, and it rewards you with every viewing. So yeah. yeah. And, uh, like I said, Levy is, Levy's just a dude that, I mean, he's a goat. He's another goat. Like, I mean, in a way it's like, it's kind of beautifully perfect that, that he's getting to play with like, you know, SCTV and SNL alums, like, you know, in, in their older golden age. Right. And I I wonder if they'll get some other guest stars, you know, like from that. So I keep on, I don't want to put it in the ether because it could either be a beautiful thing or a very terrible thing, but there's a part of me that really wants them to complete the trio and get Chevy on in some way, shape, or form. But I know Chevy is a very troubling, troubling, troubling person. Um, And I'm not even talking about, like, the community stuff because he was just as much of a problem as the other people were in goading him on, and it just became a very toxic situation. But there's a part of me that would love to see those three together. Like, well, I, I mean, I, I would I, like barring that, like just like Joe Flaherty would be oh, yeah. like a great that uh, Dave Thomas, you know, like those guys would be oh, really, God. really good, like in that world. Uh, Andrea Martin, you know, of course, Catherine O'Hara, like yeah, Garrett Morris is yeah. Garrett Morris still around. I, uh, I mean, I don't come know. on, Danny. I mean, Jane Curtin, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Like, like Dan any of those is, guys. Yeah. I mean, oh, fuck, Harry Shear. I mean, if you're going to go. Oh, oh yeah. no. I think Harry Shear is past, isn't he? Or is he still alive? Oh, no, I think he's still alive. I'm always so weird and hesitant about these things. No, he's still alive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because he's um, on the sentence. Yeah, that's true. McKeon. I mean, imagine McKeon. Oh, my God. Michael McKeon. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the goat of Better Call Saul. I mean, you know, but like those guys, right? Like all of those, like all of those guys from from the seventies, just like or eighties comedy, like you know, would have 
I mean, shit, Billy Crystal? Like, I mean, Billy Crystal was like, yeah. I mean, like any of these guys. Um, but I mean, you know, as soon as they got Meryl Streep, I feel like everybody's in play. Because if you can get if you can get Meryl Streep, I mean, can you, yeah. you can get basically anybody. It just means that you're... If they don't get them, it just means either A, they don't have a relationship with them anymore, or B, they just don't want to play. They don't want to play in the world that Martin has created, which I understand, you know, but like, you know, Eugene Levy, like, was a big thing. I was like, look at this motherfucker, like, trying to do this, like... You know, where's your where's your your on screen boo thing? Catherine O'Hara, if, if Catherine O'Hara gets cast, this might be the best season. Oh yeah, just because be, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, uh, yep. I'm excited to see what they do with all that. Uh, yep. Um, but yeah, uh, we can wrap up there. Go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com, um, and you can check out my writing over at uh, Adam's website. Yes, the uh, themovieisle.com. We have two in the chain. We have two in the chamber. We're just waiting for one more. It might be a little bit of time because I know Logan is super busy with everything. But I got I got a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> I got a doozy of one. I, I I I instantly read it when I realized what it was about. And I mean, it's the it it's the like I feel like if you're like if we we're going to do the big project that we're going to do, this one should be 50, like because of how important it is. Yeah. Like the, the, the movie that you're covering and how important it is between you and you, uh, you and Ryan. And I feel like I know because I had the history of a film dispenser and we know what, like what that unlocked for him. Um, you know, I still like, I still like, I still get really emotional thinking about the sequel, the podcast and what could have been. Um, but anywho, um, it's a great article. I wanted to say that on, on air, like it is truly a great article. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think not, to, not, not to belabor the sequel thing, but I, I uh, think, uh, I'm doing uh, another star Wars one as the next one. So, Oh, nice. Nice. I can, I think, I know which one you're going to do, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So, but we will like, that's the joy of this is that like for guys, like for you guys, like you guys don't know whenever you, when it drops, like my favorite thing is when I see Logan, Logan is like, you know, sent me an email notification that the Google docs, uh, the Google doc drive has a new one and it doesn't say anything about it except for the title of it. And when I saw the title, I was like, Oh fuck, I know I'm in for a treat. And I was, you know, um, it's a great title, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so hopefully, uh, I, I mean, writing's been a, a lot slower uh, mm-hmm. the last few months. Um, it, honestly, since since I had to go back in office, because that's been the thing is, yeah, you know, I like it. It's I'm around people, so even when I take my laptop, I, I can't really like even when it's dead in the middle of the night. There's always somebody next to my desk or by my desk, and you know, writing such a uh, uh, for me at least, like I, I distractions don't work. Like I I don't know how people write in coffee shops. I really don't. <laughs> um, like I need to be like pretty just like by myself completely mm-hmm. 
you know, it doesn't have to be silent, but I, I, I can't have any like real, real distractions. So ever since we went back in office last July, it's just, it gets, I, I can get about a, maybe a paragraph, maybe two paragraphs. And then somebody's at my desk or, you know, something. And I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, I just closed my laptop. Um, <laughs> you know, on the, on the weekends, I, I have plenty of time. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I got the dog and she's always just staring at me and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh shit. That's pretty funny. Uh, um, but yeah, we'll be back next week. I mean, next week is Oscar weekend, but like, you know, the winners will be on Sunday. So we'll yeah. have a conversation about that in the week following. Um, and no, it's not a mistake. Like, you know, we know that this is posting on dude two weekend. Um, uh, maybe there might be something at the end of this. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> no, one but, of us did. <laughs> yeah, your boy saw it, <laughs> and he had thoughts. Um, and maybe, uh, uh, it, and maybe if Logan is feeling it, maybe he'll put those at the end because I know that he was recording me when I was <laughs> when I was very unfiltered talking about Dude Two, because it is Dude Two. It's not even Dude Two. Um, but I'm gonna say this much, guys: if, if you really want to treat watch Lynch's Dune because I mean, he did in two hours and 10 minutes. What, what Denny Villeneuve had to take five hours to do. Um, <laughs> and, and that's the short of millions answer. Of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Literally hundreds of millions of dollars um, to have, you know, to have like a little toothpick twink dude yell and scream. But yeah, anyways, um, you maybe you'll hear it. Maybe you won't. Uh, but if, if, Logan ever gets around to watching Dude 1 and Dude 2. And yes, I am calling it Dude, D-U-D-E 2 um, and Dude 1. If he ever gets around to watching them, all five hours of it, um, maybe we'll have that conversation. But, um, you know, this podcast is not about that. There's a lot more (laughs) stuff I want to (laughs) watch. Exactly. Exactly. I uh, I want to rewatch Dude, uh, uh, Dude, Lynch's Dune before I rewatch Dude 2. Yeah. you know, so, but with All that, right. guys, we will see you next week. Next week. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that has stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, they all together. You with me now. Nerds ruin everything. You know how many lines this motherfucker has in this movie? Four. I don't know, but I saw an article. Four. I saw an article where it's like Christopher Walken is Dune 2's secret weapon. (laughs) Yeah, fucking Chris Evangelista's fucking in one of his deep, dark depressions. I read that article and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, you fucking idiot? He said four words. He he says four lines and two of them are no. No. Like literally they paid hey. Oh <laughs> there we go. She didn't like that. Rip Rip was like, why did they cage why did they cage Chris Walken? I it's a good question, Rip Rip. Um Stop. so <laughs> what what? There's nobody out there. Calm down. Like what what do you want? What do you want? You were fine. We just got we just came back from a walk. What are you doing? Okay, you're in my lap. Welcome to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, like it's like I'm very confused why so many people, including our including our buddy Scott, are like super like loved it. I it's good, but it's not Empire good. Like people are invoking like second sequel, like elevation, like fucking Godfather uh, (laughs) two. Yeah, Godfather two, Empire, fucking um, aliens. They're just like. And, like, when I saw it, I'm like, this is much better than the first one. The first one is a lot of navel-gazing, and then you kill Momoa, who's the best part about that sh- that movie. Like, I only want... I wanted them to, like, change Dune so that fucking, fucking Timothy Chalamet's character dies, and it's just fucking Momoa trying to seek revenge. Like, that would have been the amazing movie, right? But it wasn't. Um, this one is much better, but it's still, like... You remember when John Carter of Mars came out and everybody kept on complaining about how it was so similar to everything else? Like, everything that we'd seen. Yeah. Like, Attack of the Clones, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, like, all that shit, right? Like, everybody's complaint was that it wasn't original, right? Like, like everybody picked the meat off the bones of that fucking particular thing. Dune is the same way. This is literally, like, the movie you watch it and you go... Yeah, it's literally Star Wars, but I guess we're in a different age now, right? Where like originality doesn't count; they just want recycled bullshit. Um, yeah. And it's just like I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's very good. It's very well made. Um, is it Denis Villeneuve's best movie? No, not even by a long shot. Like Arrival is still like the perfect movie in his oeuvre and i don't know if he's ever going to top it like uh, which is a really sad state of affairs when like you know a movie that you made 15 years ago is your best work and it's probably not going to be anything close to it because you're going to be stuck in dunelandia for the next 20 years um so yeah i but i get it like i get why people are flipping their shit for this it's just it's you know grumpy old man i mean it doesn't like i've seen this shit before i mean like trust me when you watch it you'll be like i've seen this shit before like what pissed me off more than anything else is they literally like you know how like people like when like rodriguez was doing his black and white phase and how much they fucking hated it literally denny Villeneuve has sections in this where it's color black and white and people are hailing it as genius and i'm like man this is just this is shit that I've seen. Like everything that he does is stuff that I've seen in a different scale, like the last 20 or 30 years. Like literally, like, you know, like I, I appreciate him filming on location in Jordan and all these places in the Middle East. But man, like fucking Lawrence of Arabia did it like a hundred times better. Like it, it's just it's weird. It's weird that people are flipping their shit because I literally went and was like, that's good. I'm glad. I'm like, this is going to be a hit. We'll get another sci-fi movie. Um, but then, like, like literally, people are losing their mind over this movie. And I don't get it. When I mean, it, you get starved for good long enough. And when good comes along, you're just like, this is genius. So, yeah. Yeah, that's I, true. I mean, yeah. And I just, I, I honestly have no... It's so funny. I just I have zero intention of like catching up with it. I mean, maybe one day, but like I don't know. I look at it, I'm just like I don't know. I, I just it 
feels or it looks like like something I've like you said I've seen before just on maybe on a bigger scale with more famous people and I'm just like eh, I don't know like <laughs> I, I, at this point I'm way more interested in like interesting failures or even like absolute train wrecks like uh Madam Web <laughs> and like I, I just I think I get more out of that than I do uh something like this but anyway um we can get started you ready yeah you can always you can always edit my thoughts on dune <laughs> into the fucking into the thing at the end <laughs> if you want to i like to be perfectly honest i don't care like you know it's like i i i saw it embargoes lifted so but yeah let's go ahead and absolutely get started <laughs> 